Good, good, good morning. Good to see you guys this morning. I'm just going to let you know, I already feel in my spirit, and I think it's lining up with the Holy Spirit, that today's going to be a good day. I don't know what that means, but don't miss out by just sitting there and not participating. You want to be a part of what's going on. It's going to be good. Can I just celebrate something this morning? Is that okay? You guys are going to have to get excited because I'm about to get excited here. This man right here. Let me, let me tell you a little something. Today is his anniversary of two years sober. Woo! Yeah, 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 yeah. That is the power of God transforming someone's life. How many years? 30 something? 34 years as an alcoholic and God broke that off of him in the name of Jesus. Praise God. And I think I heard Jenny this morning also mention seven months for her. So Jenny Mayberry. Yeah, 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 yeah. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love to see God moving in people's lives and in their hearts. And I love to see people excited about that. That's just going to set the tone for a powerful service today. I believe it is. Now, something else I've noticed, and I'm going to give a little bit of a, a plug here. It's, it's better today, but this area right here, my wife made this point to me yesterday. This area right here is usually kind of empty. Now, how many of you have been to a ball game? Where do you try to get in the ball game? If you're, going to, if you're going to watch the Cardinals, yes, they're better than the Cubs right now. You sit as close as you can. I want the closest seat. I want to be right there. When I go to a concert, I want to be on the front row. When I go to church, I don't. So I'm just giving a little plug here. If you want to fill this area in, as we get started in worship, that would be great. Call it our little, our little praise pit right here. Okay, so when you're in there, you just praise the Lord and who, who cares? And the good thing about when you, as the closer you get, you don't notice distractions around you. So I'll just leave that there. Let me talk about worship. Worship requires heart. Okay. You worship me with your lips, Jesus said, but your heart is far from me. So we can sing and say things all we want, but right here, that better be changed and better have the love of God flowing out of it. If worship requires our hearts and not our words, then how do we find out where our heart is? Find your treasure. What do you value the most in your life right now? That's where your treasure is. That's where your heart is also. So is it God? Is he all the way up here? Or are other things invading your mind and your heart and taking the place where God should be? Okay? Whatever you place highest value in is where your heart really is. And... We were made to worship. Whether you believe that or not, you understand that or not, we are wired to worship something. Amen. It needs to be God above everything else. Um, we're going to worship this morning. We're going to praise the Lord. The question is, who or what are you worshiping this morning as we get started? And I pray right now that it's your heavenly Father that loves you more than anyone else in this world. And you lift up his name this morning. If our worship to Jesus only happens in public settings then it's weak. If the only time you worship happens in here, that's weak. That's mean, that's mean, Rick. That's truth. It happens outside of here also. Your lifestyle, your life is worship to your heavenly father. Worship is the language we speak to God in our private lives and the decisions we make and the worship that we give our father moves his heart. And he shows up in this place and changes people's lives when we worship him and he opens up our hearts to what he'd have for us. So if you guys will stand this morning, I'm going to pray us into worship. I'd also want to pray for, everybody knows what's going on in Afghanistan, right? Last night, I think, is when they would have been meeting for church with our time, you know, equaling up with our time. Last night, they went to church knowing I'm probably going to be killed for this. I could die for this, but I'm going to go anyway. 
because that's how much Jesus means to me. So I'm going to pray for them. I'm going to pray for our service. I'm going to pray for lives to be changed in here and for the Holy Spirit to do whatever he wants to do. Will you guys agree with me as we intercede and pray? Let's pray. Father, we thank you and we praise you this morning. God, we don't want to take this opportunity for granted. God, as our brothers and sisters in the faith in other countries, God, are, are coming to church with the expectancy knowing I may not go home. But God, they've got a heavenly home that they know is secure in you and they are not afraid. They are not missing opportunity to worship you no matter what persecution comes their way. And God, I pray for us to have that same spirit here. So Father, I lift them up right now to you in the face of what they're facing. God, I praise you and I thank you for who you are. And Lord, the relevancy that you take place in their hearts, Father, as they show an example to all of us that we're gonna worship no matter what. And Father, today as we praise you and we worship you, Lord, I pray that our hearts are open, our minds are open to what you have for us today. And that God, everything that's went on up until this moment right here is pushed to the side. And Lord, our hearts are found to be worshiping you. I thank you for what you do for us. I thank you for what you're doing in the church. Have your way in us. In Jesus' name, amen.
dead I wish I could dance <laughs> Dance like the weight has been lifted Grace is waiting for you Dance like the weight has been lifted Grace is waiting oh, Dance like the weight has been lifted Grace is waiting oh, Dance like the weight has been lifted Grace is waiting Where the Spirit of the Lord is There is freedom There is freedom Where the Spirit of the Lord is Every prayer. 
every day. How can we ever praise you enough? Glory, 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 glory. From now till eternity, we will praise you. We will sing your name. Great are you, Lord, and greatly to be praised. Hallelujah.
Thank you. 
take a trip this past week, and uh, we got to in, into Branson, and, and I told a couple of guys, we went and saw Jesus. It was the greatest thing ever. Didn't see Jesus himself, but we saw the, the play at, at Sight and Sound Theater. And I'm telling you what, when Jesus rose up out of that tomb, <laughs> it was something else. It was a hallelujah time. It's like, you know, you read it in the Bible, and it's awesome. You see it in, in front of your eyes like that, and it just, it made me want to shout, jump up. I don't know why I didn't. I guess I should have. But I felt like the whole place just should have erupted into, into revival. It's like, to see that in front of your eyes, I mean, tell you what, if you get a chance to see Jesus, go see Jesus. It's awesome. It's awesome. It's awesome. This next verse that we're going to sing just brought that right back. Uh, it was just the past Wednesday we saw it. It just turned, it just really, really did something to me. I'm going to remember that for a long time. Let's sing about that. Then came the morning that sealed the promise, your buried today should be every time we come in this place. I'm telling you, he deserves our praise. He deserves our worship. And to hold back is just not good. <laughs> and I was, as I was worshiping this morning, I'm like, actually, I'm sweating a lot. <laughs> and I thought, uh, maybe we should just gauge our praise by our perspiration put little buckets by everybody and then, oh, this week, yeah, look at me. Look at, but I just love the Lord. I love what's happening in the church. And some of you guys may say, oh, well, I don't really see anything happen. God's doing things behind the scenes. He's moving hearts. He's, he's rearranging things and doing exactly what he wants to do to bring his glory into this house and for lives to be, be touched and changed. And that's a testimony for people like uh, Jenny and Aaron of the power of the Holy Spirit. We talk about God a lot. We talk about Jesus a lot, but sometimes we neglect the power that's been left to us right here in the Holy Spirit. I know all about God. I know who he is. I know about Jesus, but some people are scared of, of what the Holy Spirit can be in your life. The Holy Spirit's what enabled them to let go of addiction because it's the power that we walk in now. And we don't have to be afraid of him moving and doing what he wants to do in our lives. We need to submit to that. 
Because without his power, we don't get his presence. And without his presence, we don't get his peace. So I encourage you guys to walk in that power and authority even greater, it says, than what Jesus walked this earth with. That we need to tap into that. We need to know that's available and that's living inside of us and let it out every day of the week. Amen? Man, God's good. Let me pray. Father, we thank you for showing up and showing out in this place, God. And I know you're not done yet. And Lord, we praise you and we thank you for your Holy Spirit, that power that is available to us, that works through us to bring us closer and closer to you. God, I thank you for this church. I thank you for this worship team, that their hearts are tuned into you, Father. I thank you for what we're experiencing in Orchardville Church and the great things that are coming. You keep on getting better. The more we know you, the more we learn about you, God, you keep getting better. And Father, I pray for a great move of your spirit in our church and in our communities as we walk about sharing your love with people. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Woo! Yes, yes, yes. My goodness. Yes. I'm telling you what, get on board, don't get left out, don't sit on the sidelines, get in, get in, get in, and next week fill up this middle section in the praise pit. What a week we've had here at Orchardville Church. Uh, Tuesday we had an impromptu fish fry uh, for the Oasis, and it was phenomenal. Thank George and all those that cooked for that. Uh, we had a great time of fellowship, great food. And then Wednesday, again, we had the back-to-school bash and just loving on our community, loving on the kids. And it's really awesome to me. Sarah and I got to go around just kind of visiting with people. It's really awesome to me to see all of you as the hands and feet of Jesus. And you say, all I was doing is managing a carnival game or all I was doing is helping on zip lines. That's exactly what, looking like, what loving on people looks like. And, and just be, you know, leaning down and talking to the kids and having fun with them, that's pouring Jesus into them. So we, I love watching that. I love seeing that. It was a great uh, time together. And I want, also wanted to give a shout out. Sometimes they're forgotten. We got a few, and then we got our kids' church ones and, and modified youth. Our Sunday school, Sunday sync teachers, I appreciate you guys. And, and for those of you that don't know, you don't wake up that early, we have Sunday sync, Sunday school classes every Sunday at 9 a.m. for people to pour into you for you guys to study the word together, for you guys to pour into each other about what you're going through in life, to pray together. We have that every Sunday morning at nine. It's a little bit of a smaller group than this, and you just get to learn, and you get to study God's word together. So be a part of that, 9 a.m. We got three classes for our adults. We got the modified youth. We got our OC kids doing that as well, because it's important to learn about the word of God. Amen. Amen. (laughs) All right, let's get into this week. We're still on Lured as my wife does not like it called. Week three, today we're gonna to talk about, I'm offended, so how do I handle it? I know how some of you do, I know how I do sometimes, but we're gonna talk about that this morning. Uh, the first week we talked about what offense looked like. Last week I had my sweet uh, coat of many colors on that my wife customized and Brylin customized for me, and we talked about, how could this happen to me? How could this happen to me? And how Joseph responded to that And this morning, we're going to talk about, I'm offended. How many of you have been offended? Don't lie. Had your feelings hurt. How do I handle that the way God would want me to handle it? And we got to get to the heart of this, or else we are never going to get free from offense. We're never going to get free from it. Um, There are still, we're on week three, there's still people probably in here that have it inside of them. You're hurt, you're offended, and you've not let it go yet. By the end of this series, I pray you do, because it's hard to walk around in everything that God has for you, or anything at all that he has for you, if you're walking around offended and hurt at somebody. That's just the way it is. We're going to start in Romans 12 this morning, 17 through 19. I've got several scriptures to share, because what better place to look for how we should respond to offense and how we should handle this than the word of God. So Romans 12, verses 17 through 19, and this I'm going to be in New King James, and we'll bounce around in NLT also some this morning. 
Romans 12, 17 through 19. Paul says this, repay no, no one evil for evil. That starts out pretty plain and simple. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves. Now stop and right there. Is that a request? Suggestion? No, it's a command. Do not avenge yourselves. Don't take matters into your own hands, but rather give place to wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. And you will find out throughout scripture, and we're gonna break down some of it this morning, that God considers it an unrighteous thing when we avenge ourselves. And that sounds like, I'm gonna give you a piece of my mind. It's exactly what it sounds like. You're not gonna do that to me, watch what I'm gonna do to you unrighteous to avenge ourselves. And we'll bring a lot of that out today and hopefully understand it a little better, but an unrighteous thing when we avenge ourselves, he considered as a righteous thing when we allow him to avenge us. We put it in his hands and let him handle it. And we have a hard time with that sometimes. He said, I will repay, and that's God's promise that he will take care of it. And in our minds, when, when we hear God say that, and we read that, God's going to take care of it, we automatically go, hey, you know what? I'm not going to say a word to you because God's going to get you. He's going to drop the hammer on you. So I'm just going to sit back and watch. That's how we read that sometimes. But what if it's that person gets saved? Or I pray a blessing over them and I speak peace over them because they're dealing with something, they just took it out on me. What if I look at it that way? And not, God's going to drop the hammer on you, it's going to be bad for you. And it's a big thing in the Word of God, the issue of us taking matters into our own hands and trying to pay people back or even get even. Here we go, some scriptures. Proverbs 20, verse 22, and these will be on the screen. I'm going to hurry through these. So Proverbs 20, verse 22 says, don't say, I will get even for this wrong. Wait for the Lord to handle the matter. We don't like to wait, but it says it right there. Wait on the Lord to handle the matter. Deuteronomy 32, verses 34 and 35 says, the Lord says, am I not storing up these things, sealing them away in my treasury? I will take revenge, I will pay them back. In due time, their feet will slip, their day of disaster will arrive, and their destiny will overtake them. And then Proverbs 24, 29 says, and don't say, now, and now I can pay them back for what they've done to me, I'll get even with them. And Peter says in 1 Peter 2, verse 18, servants, which could mean employees, students, team members, be submissive to your masters, masters meaning employers, teachers, managers, team leaders, whoever that is, with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, we all love that, I'll submit to the good and gentle boss or whoever that is, I'll submit to that, I love that, and we need them for our growth, but also it says to the harsh, what? To the harsh as well? We got to be submissive to harsh people over us? And then I got to thinking, maybe there's a different, different definition of harsh, and it does, it's not as bad as it sounds, that he wants us to submit to these people. Harsh means cruel or severe, excessively critical or negative, unjust leader, dishonest, cruel, and unreasonable. What? It means that. Yeah, it does. And we need to submit, it said in that scripture, but also to the harsh, to the people that are cruel and severe, that are negative, that are dishonest, that are unreasonable. And then I ask myself, but I'm a child of God. You don't want me to submit to that kind of person? Come on. Yes, I do. It's in my word. But, but God, do you hate me? <laughs> you hate me? I have to submit to these people? These kind of people over me, I have to submit to them? Surely you don't even care about me anymore. Because this is impossible. Yet he says it in his word. To submit to them also. And a lot of times, when we get something challenging in the word of God, I do it too. I just skim right over that. Woo! 
That's not for me. I know it's in there, but that's not for me. That is too difficult. And I'm sure he'll forgive me because I just, I'm going to leave out that part. Just not going to do it. We want to skim over those things and, and tell God, there's just no way, God. There's no way that can happen. And sometimes scriptures to us don't make much sense. But we're not the author. And if we believe some of the Bible, we need to believe all of it. And we need to live by all of it. And it's what God wrote. And he's in charge. We submit to him and whatever he tells us to do in his word. And when I read these types of scriptures in the word, I have a choice. I can dismiss it or ignore it, which I've done. I'll be honest. I'm always honest. I'll admit that. And... We have another choice that I'm going to believe what his word says, whether I understand it or not, whether it makes sense to me or not. I know he wrote it and I'm going to believe it. And the fear of the Lord, Proverbs 9, 10, the fear of the Lord and the fear is the beginning of what? Wisdom. Okay. Proverbs 9, 10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And we have to read and believe, not read and not believe, okay? Either, you, either we're gonna believe all of it or none of it. I don't think you can say, I'm just gonna believe this part and I'm gonna rip out this other stuff. You can't do that. We gotta believe it all. And as we get into this, it actually gets a little worse, okay? So I'm just warning you this morning. First Peter 2, 19 and 20 goes on to say, for God is pleased. How many wanna please God? I better see every hand up in here. How many want to please God? For God is pleased when, conscious of his will, you patiently endure unjust treatment. Of course, you get no credit for being patient if you are beaten for doing wrong. But if you suffer for doing good and endure it patiently, God is pleased with you. So he's saying here, if you do what's right and you get punished and suffer for it, but you endure it patiently... I am pleased with you. All right. 1 Peter 2.21, amplified version. For even to this were you called. We are all called to handle it this way. Unjust treatment, unfair treatment, offense, we're all called to handle it this way. For Christ also suffered for you, leaving you his personal example on how to handle offense. He left us the example so that we would follow in his footsteps. That's who we're following. That's who we're trying to be like. We're never going to be perfect, but we are striving every day to be more like Jesus. His personal example, Mark 15, we can find this. How do I handle being offended? Let's see what Jesus did. So before we read this, he's standing in a court of law. The most influential men of the entire nation are there. Pharisees and Sadducees weren't just the religious leaders, but they were also in the government as, as the leaders there too. And these men were saying all kinds of lies um, and different things about Jesus that were not true. They were slandering his name, his ministry, and just dragging his name through the mud in front of everyone. Okay, that's what's happening. Mark 15, three through five says this. And the chief priests accused him of many things, but he answered nothing. How many of you have done that? He said nothing in regards to the accusations, nothing with the mistreatment, all that stuff. He said nothing. Now, I know some of you, and I know me, and sometimes it's hard to keep this shut. Then it goes on to say, verse 4, Then Pilate asked him again, saying, Do you answer nothing? See how many things they testify against you, but Jesus still answered nothing. So that Pilate marveled. Or Pilate was amazed. Why? Because Pilate understands that this is the highest court to hear appeals. This is the highest court for Jesus to defend himself. He's, he's seen over and over different people that were brought in here. And he's seen different people defend themselves and say, no, I didn't do this. I didn't do this. I didn't do this. And yet he sees now an innocent man in Jesus. His wife had a dream about that. 
That, you know, don't have anything to do with that. He's innocent. He even put king of the Jews over him on the cross. But he sees him saying nothing. Here's your chance, Jesus. Look what they're saying about you. I know you're innocent. I know you are who you say you are, that you're a godly man. But now's your chance to speak up. And Jesus says nothing. Why did he say nothing? 1 Peter 2, 22, 23. He never sinned, nor ever deceived anyone. He did not retaliate when he was insulted, nor threaten revenge when he suffered. We'll read that one again. He did not retaliate when he was insulted, nor threaten revenge when he suffered. He left his case in the hands of God, who always judges fairly. left his case in the hands of God. I'm gonna try to get through just a couple things real quick, my personal life. How many of you have went through some things in ministry that are difficult, okay? I went through some stuff in my life, in my ministry that God's placed over my life Um, that have been difficult, that have been hard, that have made me question uh, the calling that God placed on my life. Some from a long time ago, some from not too long ago. Handled some of it wrong, handled some of it right. Um, During this latest season of ministry, of hurt for me and Sarah, I was reading from this very book that I'm preaching this series out of the Beta Satan and because someone recommended it to me for what I was going through in that season. I'm not going to get into a lot of details of stuff, but this book taught me a lot right in the midst of what we were going through. And, And some of the people that are close to me know that there was a shift in me through the middle of what I was dealing with. And it came to a point where God said to me, you need to apologize. <laughs> and my first thing, when I felt that in my spirit, that God was saying that to me, is I was like, no, they need to apologize. They're the ones crushing me, God. Me apologize? I'm doing exactly what your word says and and operating in everything that the church of Jesus Christ was founded on and you want me to apologize? And he said, yes. You need to apologize for your anger and your bitterness and your hurt that you're holding against people. And let me know that this is not the way you handle things, that you need to trust me in this and not take matters into your own hands. And I was like, (laughs) and I remember him putting in my spirit to begin praying. So when God puts something in your spirit to start praying about, sometimes (laughs) I do this. I'll pray about everything else, but but that thing. I'm praying, Lord. And he's, he's like, I'm waiting. I'm waiting for you to get to what you need to really be praying about right here. And I started praying that God would change my heart on some things. And then I apologized to some people for taking offense and for the bitterness that I harbored inside of me and I put it into the hands of God. A switch in my spirit. In my flesh... My flesh said, you have every reason to be upset about what's happening. But God said, you got some things in your spirit that need to be checked and changed. And that was so difficult in that moment. So difficult. I stand before you as somebody that's been hurt in some pretty deep ways. 
but also standing before you as someone that learned some very valuable lessons from God in the midst of them on how to handle myself in a godly way that would glorify him. And because of that, I feel that he's opened new doors for me in ministry. He's gave me uh, blessings, and he's just done things and lined things up because I humbled myself and put my feelings aside and lined up with the Holy Spirit and what he wanted me to do. And now, you know, I, I get to pastor a wonderful group of people here at Orchardville Church. I get to share with others about the love and forgiveness and, and restoration that's found in Jesus when we let them fight our battles. And we can let go of hurts and pains and offenses and walk in a peace that only he provides. You know, and I know there's some of you, you know, during some of that, I went home and talked to Sarah about it. And she was where I was at before God got a hold of me. She said, no, 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 no. We're not doing that. And I said, yes, 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 we are. And here's what I told her. And that's tough too when you have to go home and tell your spouse, this is what God's saying. I need you to get in line with me on this. And thankfully, she came around eventually And some, you know, some people in here this morning, you may say, you know, when you go through hurts in ministry and, and, and stuff like that, that how do you stay around? Why don't you just quit? Cross my mind. If I'm being honest, you know what? I don't, I don't want to put up with this. I don't want to do it. It hurts. But that's not what God told me to do. And so many times, if you're not careful to listen to what God's telling you to do, you ignore him and you do something that you shouldn't be doing. And I told Sarah that I don't feel like God is releasing us from Orchardville Church. That's what I told her. We're to stay, we're to follow what the leadership has asked of me, and honor God in it. And I, and I say all this to say this this morning, that too many people leave churches because they get offended by something or someone. Amen. Offended people will uproot themselves and they'll complain and they'll blame the leadership and never once evaluate their own lives. This is going to be tough right here, this part. And they leave and they go somewhere else and it's not always because God told them to leave. That's the most disheartening thing, is God never said to leave, yet you leave anyway. If offense is the reason you leave a church, then guess what you carry into the next church? You still have it. Because you never dealt with it at the last place. And we are not to follow the offenses leading in what we're dealing with. That's not, you know, they hurt me, they did this, they did that. We're not to follow that. We're to follow him and what the Holy Spirit tells us to do and what lines up with his word. And that takes, like I said, complete humbleness and brokenness and saying, I trust you. I trust you in this. If God hasn't told you to leave, you don't leave. Doesn't matter how you feel. You get over the offense, you handle it the godly way, and you suck it up and you push through the hard times. Amen. I didn't figure it'd be a lot of clapping and stuff on this. Amen. You don't bail out because of your feelings. And I, like I said, if I'm being honest, I wanted to. I did, I did, I did, I did. And I'm so thankful that God got a hold of my heart through that and changed my perspective on things. Because we can always, we can, we can always honor position, but maybe you disagree with the behavior, 
But God has a way to show you things, reveal things to you, and if you'll let him, he does like surgery on your heart sometimes and fixes things that need fixed. So praise team comes back up this morning. First Peter, I want to finish with a scripture. First Peter 3, 9 through 12. Don't repay evil for evil. Don't retaliate with insults when people insult you. Instead, pay them back with a blessing. That, again, what? Don't retaliate with insults when people insult you. Instead, pay them back with a blessing. That is what God has called you to do, and he will grant you his blessing. For the scriptures say, if you want to enjoy life and see many happy days, keep your tongue from speaking evil and your lips from telling lies. Turn away from evil and do good. Search for peace and work to maintain it. The eyes of the Lord watch over those who do right, and his ears are open to their prayers. But the Lord turns his face against those who do evil. So when you get hurt and you get offended, you get mistreated, you have an opportunity to pay it back. This sounds totally weird, totally contrary to what the world will tell us. You have a chance to pay back that offense with blessing. Because when you do, it says God will bless you. Holy cow. Or hello. So when somebody says something to me, does something to me, instead of me being negative and hateful right back, if I will speak blessing over them, God's going to rain it down on me and mean it when I speak that blessing over them. Oh, Lord, I hope you handle them. I bless them when you handle them. That's not what I'm talking about. You speak genuine from your heart, blessing for that person, God will bless you for it. I'd much rather live in that than to get out from his covering because I want to speak my mind and do things that are against his will. So if I tell Carlin, you are one of the worst worship leaders I've ever been around. I wouldn't say that. But if I did and I crushed him and told him how, you know, man, I wish you'd just get better. And he turns around and says, Rick, and I appreciate you. I appreciate you what you do in the church. I appreciate your heart for God. I just want to speak blessing over you. First of all, everybody be like, he wouldn't say that. He'd probably yell at you. That's what we're talking about right here. That kind of stuff. So when I'm so quick to lose my temper or, or, or take my anger out on somebody, no, I can't do that and be blessed by God. I've got to speak blessing over that person. That's how I handle offense. I check my spirit with his, and then I operate in that. And as you do that, if you submit your will to his will on things, he will work on your heart. And you, some of it you may not like. And some of it you'll have to humble yourselves and say, okay, okay, okay. I'll do it. And when you turn around and you speak blessing, it's so, it's so difficult. And I'm sure somebody's face, if Aaron just got done cussing me out or something and I came up to him, man, I know you just cussed me out and I know you really said some mean things, but I just want to pray a blessing over you right now. Man, that just speaks to me right now and I'm not even doing it. And you know that the person that just lashed out on you, what are they going to do? Holy cow, what is going on inside of you? I just let you have it and you still want to speak a blessing over me? And then we get to say, that's the power of Jesus. That's the power of his Holy Spirit in me. That though I'm slayed, I'm still going to trust him. And I'm still going to speak blessing over you. And in return, I know, we shouldn't do it just for this, but we know as I bless him, he blesses me. If you guys will stand this morning. As we open up the altars this morning, they're always open for salvation. 
I don't want a service to go by where I don't talk about who Jesus is. He's our Savior. If you're in here this morning and you don't know him as your Savior, Jesus died for you. Every sin, every mistake, every addiction, every hang-up, everything, whatever you're dealing with, he died for that, for you. And he loves you so much. And he was raised from the dead, and he ascended into heaven. And before he did, he left us his Holy Spirit to operate in, to walk in, to help us get through things in life. And we, when we accept Jesus as our Savior, we have this assurance now that no matter what I face, if I'm doing my best to glorify him in everything in life, and I've, I've proclaimed that I believe in him, that he's my Savior, I'm assured heaven. And our lives on earth are just a mist. It's, it's just a vapor. It goes quick, and then we're in glory eternally. And it'll be worth everything that we deal with here. So the altars are open for salvation. If you don't know the Lord or you need to rededicate, maybe this morning you're hanging on to bitterness still, and God's doing something in your heart and you need to let some things go so you can walk in a freedom that you haven't experienced in a long time. Altars are open for that too, for healing in your body. If you need to stand in for people, I believe in the power of prayer and the power of healing. I believe it. So as we worship and sing, let's pray this morning. Seek God. If you're just sitting in your seat, intercede on the behalf of the people that need a touch this morning, please. Don't just stand there and do nothing. Intercede and pray praying church. That's one of my goals, that we're a praying church. And that means in these moments right here. All right, let's pray and worship this morning.